the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. What a bizarre year we've had for cryptos. Bitcoin is up nearly 40% since December, and the permabulls are out in force. Not so fast, say the bears. We still have plenty dirty laundry to wash after the collapse of FTX. The pressure is on the regulators to come out with sensible rules for a sector that seems at times lawless, unhinged, and willing to test the boundaries of decency. FTX may turn out to be the biggest con in financial markets history, not just in cryptos. Depositive funds were dispatched without customer approval to hundreds of dodgy investments. If you were a customer of the FTX exchange, there's a good chance your funds were being loaned to a sister company called Alameda Research, while FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried is awaiting trial on fraud charges, having posted $250 million in bail. And that was just part of the story for 2022. There is some good to come out of all of this. For one, crypto investors have learned the importance of self-custody. That is the moving of cryptos off exchanges and into wallets that they control. There's also been a change in customer behavior post the FTX collapse. One person who's been doing a bit of digging into this is our Paul Delgado, who writes for MoneyWeb and has become something of an expert in crypto crime. Welcome, Paolo. You've been looking into this FTX debacle for some time and in some detail. Tell us what you've been able to find out about the change in behavior by crypto enthusiasts after FTX's collapse. Yeah, uh, Kieran, thanks. Thanks for the welcome and it's a pleasure to be here. You know, I think the world is definitely divided. The crypto world is definitely divided now into the moments before FTX and the moments after FTX. And it's a, it was a very sobering moment for the entire industry. And, you know, traditionally, crypto has been different crowds. They've been the, the ones who want to sort of push the boundaries and, you know, fight all regulation. And, uh, you know, any sort of mention of regulation brings about, you know, people sputtering about, no, you're going to stop innovation, et cetera. And then there's, there has been more of a sober crowd that's sort of been a bit more welcoming for regulation and, uh, you know, was more willing to have the conversation. Well, the mindset has pretty much shifted into about everyone is kind of welcoming regulation. Anyone who doesn't want regulation now is very much on the outskirts and is probably not a, a good player in the crypto space. The attitude has very much changed. Not that crypto companies are suddenly like, oh, yeah, yeah, we want to be regulated because unfortunately some of the regulations being suggested right now are a little bit alarming. But, you know, the good players, the ones that are really here to, to push this industry forward, they recognize and welcome a little bit of control, a little bit of order. I mean, if you talk about changing customer behavior, self-custody is one of the things that we've seen a huge movement off of exchanges into hardware wallets like Ledger. There are many others and software wallets like Metamask. That would be the one side of it. But are people paying a little bit more attention to the exchanges that they're investing on. One of the things that we have seen is proof of reserve audits. There's now a website that coinmarketcap.com runs where you can actually go and see the authenticity of the proof of reserves on these various exchanges. Is that a change that you're noticing as well? I can't say much for on the retail investment side, but from a corporate perspective, absolutely. In this interview I, I did, basically, I was told that you know, before FTX, 
the attention was very much on fees and how fast the companies could be onboarded and, you know, want to get a little bit of a cheaper, you know, it would be a bit cheaper if we go with FTX or if we go with this other uh, exchange. And suddenly the attention has changed to like, oh, okay, look, uh, so, um, you know, are you guys actually uh, going to go under or are you uh, are you a stable exchange? The attitude is uh, from a corporate and institutional perspective is definitely now one of stability. I mean, the FTX contagion was absolutely, you know, cataclysmic in the number of companies it brought down. So big business is paying attention to that. They absolutely realize that some control has to be brought to the sector. You can't have some dude in shorts, you know, crashing the entire sector. Yeah, just for people who may not be following up on this, explain very briefly what was FTX and what happened to it that it collapsed? FTX was basically an exchange that, you know, if we're going to simplify it to its ultimate, had basically had no accounting and had a guy that was on the top that, well, allegedly that on the, you know, we have to say allegedly was on the top sort of, you know, allegedly buying houses in the Bahamas and, you know, having lots of parties and taking customer funds without any permission and investing them here and investing them there. And he had two companies and just think about it, the worst possible scenario for a financial institution. And this is pretty much what FTX has been accused of. And there were so many companies that had their fingers in the FTX pot that when FTX went down, it dragged the entire industry down with it. I mean, uh, Genesis, I think, has has now um, uh, filed for bankruptcy, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, BlockFi filed for bankruptcy. It was like a domino effect of bankruptcies that went on the tail of FTX going down. The guy who has taken over because uh, of FTX filed for the Chapter 11 bankruptcy. In America, Chapter 11 bankruptcy means that you know they're, they're going to try and restructure the company and keep it alive, as opposed to Chapter Seven, where they just you know liquidate everything. Filed for Chapter Eleven bankruptcy. That's right. So the individual that took over, he was the one that uh, took over Enron. Uh, I don't know if anyone's familiar with the the Enron story. That's a hell of an interesting uh, uh, thing to Google. There's a lovely documentary on it. They were basically a company that sold absolutely nothing and had like a bunch of fake holdings and one of the biggest corporate frauds in the history of the United States. And this guy who's taken over FTX says that the books of FTX look worse than Enron's books. I mean, you, you, you can't get worse than that. Well, I think one of the things that we know now is that they were using, this is a company with billions of dollars of funds belonging to other people, and they're using an Excel spreadsheet to, to run their accounts. I mean, that's how crude and unsophisticated it was. And you have this guy, Sam Bankman-Fried, who is running the company. He uh, apparently made a loan of $250 million to a mate while he was playing League of Legends. So that tells you about the due diligence in the company. You know, just just hang on here. I've got to just go shoot somebody. But yes, you can have your $250 million loan. And the type of companies that they were investing in, you know, like Chinese websites and, uh, you know, health creams and, and supplements and stuff like that. It's just, I, I think people who are investing in FTX, when they find this kind of stuff out, they really will start to ask questions about the kind of governance that uh, exists at these uh, these exchanges. And they're going to demand, you know, if you're running a multi-billion dollar company, don't show up in shorts on TV and a t-shirt. You know, play the part. Look like you're responsible and you, and you care for other people's money. But I, I wanted to ask you about the, the FTX story impact on crypto investment going forward. This is likely to lead to a lot more caution and, and a little less bubble, I think, in the markets. You're already sort of seeing the, the, the whole bubble effect, the overvaluation, people kind of questioning how cryptos are valued. Is that one of the things that you're picking up on? 
Well, the primary thing I'm picking up on, Kieran, this is an area that um, we in the industry do need to keep our eye on. There is a, a large divide between the regulators and the genuine players in the industry. There was a wonderful article written by the chairman of the board of Concordium, a blockchain company in the Washington Post, the Washington Times, I don't recall, where you know he basically said that the, the crypto industry needs to grow up. And what he meant by that was that you know crypto is so much more than speculative. Crypto, uh, blockchain and Web3 and crypto, the entire industry is sort of like you know, the, the media is hyper-focused on the speculative crypto when the technology is so much wider than that. And regulators, they this is all they think about. They think about speculative crypto, you know, and is it a security? Is it a, a financial asset, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And unfortunately, this, this sort of hyper-focused view of this industry, you know, the regulations they're bringing out could end up stifling, you know, the, the innovation in the greater sense, because blockchain is a phenomenal uh, technology for transparency and uh, the wide application across um, uh, various sectors and also in the, in the financial sector. And so you have crypto companies and blockchain companies, they have sort of seen the need for regulation and they recognize that you can't have something, you know, so wildly out of control. At the same time, it's a little bit too much like sharks out for blood on the regulatory side. And the people that need to sort of make sure that that doesn't go too far are the experts and the and the professionals in the crypto industry, you know, because a regulator will come down. And in the USA, they've got a set of regulations that came out that one compliance expert said was, was shocking in terms of the amount of surveillance that is that they're planning on using, you know, and, and then Europe has got this regulation coming out. They've delayed the votes on it again. But again, sort of very highly divorced from the realities of this industry, the potentials of the technology. So crypto companies and, and even the in institutional investors who are interested in crypto, they do need to keep an eye out because we can't let the crypto industry fall back you know, to like, I mean, it, Bitcoin came out as a sort of a, a promise of a better financial type of system. And we had all, you know, there was all these dreams and maybe they were a little bit high flown, but a lot of them were not high flown. You know, we were let down by the banking sector in 2008 and we can't go backwards. We we have to at least, you know, we can't like, we can't take two st one step forward and two steps back. Crypto has brought us forward in the financial system. There's a lot more opportunities for people. A lot of the unbanked are now banked. Ethereum brought with its smart contracts. The technology is phenomenal. And we can't let the heavy hammer of regulation now come down and stifle all of that. So the crypto industry is the one that is going to have to keep an eye on that. And if necessary, you know, put up a bit of a fight so that together the space becomes better, but not that it becomes completely stifled. Well, that, of course, I think is going to be one of the big themes of 2023 is regulations. We've already had that in South Africa. It was announced last year that you're a crypto service provider. You're going to have to apply to be licensed. You're going to have to therefore submit you know, reporting requirements and everything that comes with that. And just this week, we've had the Advertising Regulatory Board issue new rules for advertising in crypto, basically saying, uh, which is quite a good thing, that you, you, you stand to lose money if you invest in cryptos. It is so volatile. And, and some of the reckless kind of advertising that has been going on in the space, a lot of these scams and crimes to proliferate. I know that you've been doing quite a bit of digging and one of your specialities is in crypto crime. And one of the reasons given by regulators for introducing what may turn out to be very, very harsh, very stringent regulations with a lot of surveillance, 
They really do want to track everything that moves. And I don't think this is what was envisaged when Bitcoin originally started. And I think a lot of people are maybe going to regret how severe it is. But tell us a little bit about the crime as a result of what happened with FTX and all of the other collapses that we saw last year. Are we seeing more or less crime, do you think? Uh, 2022 was definitely a big hitter in terms of, of value of, of crypto stolen. I think uh, nine out of the 15 biggest hacks that have ever occurred uh, have occurred in in um, in crypto. I have a little bit of a hesitancy when people talk about the increase in crypto crime and how bad it is. My personal view is that you know, crypto crime is not nearly as bad and won't even come to as close to being as bad as crime involving involving a fiat currency. The big news headlines recently was when chain analysis uh, revealed that 20.8 billion of on-chain transactions, the transactions that were actually carried out on a, uh, a blockchain of some sort, were illicit and huge headlines. They just splattered across the world. Look at this, 20 billion has been stolen and crypto is so bad. You know, and, and then when you dig in the fine print, you find that it's something like 0.64% of every single transaction, a crypto transaction was illicit, less than 1%. And so now it's difficult for us, you know, uh, everyday people who have our little bank accounts and we're earning our rands. And, you know, it's difficult for us to think with such huge numbers as 20 billion and to realize that the value being exchanged across these networks is a is hundred times more than that, actually 200 times more. And, and it's hard for us mere humans to, to contemplate how much, you know, value actually gets exchanged in the world. And, and so the, the media, you know, they jump on this number and then they, 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 they pump it out. And yes, there was more crypto crime in terms of value and even the percentage was slightly higher. And yes, it is a method of exchanging value and organized criminals will always exchange value, whether that value is gold, whether it's silver, whether it's, you know, in human trafficking, it's people. And, and they will always find something to exchange. So, you know, they've got crypto and you can buy things with crypto. So they're using that. But nowhere was I able to find what the percentage is of, of fiat currency transactions that are being used in crime. That would be a lovely figure to put out to compare to crypto because the magic of crypto is that you can trace so easily. It is so difficult for criminals to actually get away with crypto crime that it's, it's phenomenal that that's why it's so low because they know, you know, they're going to, the hackers, these major hacks that occurred, in fact, in, ironically enough, FTX is the third biggest hack that has ever occurred in the crypto industry. Once they get all that cash, They've got a major problem. They don't really know how to convert that into a fiat currency because when they start to, you know, put that crypto into centralized exchanges, they have to, you know, verify who they are. And so, you know, yes, there was more value, but let's put it in context. Yeah, I think a lot of the, the reputable crypto exchanges are fully aware of the crime element and uh, they have teams in-house that are monitoring this very, very closely. So they... They flag certain addresses which they know to be suspect, and they will even interrupt and, and stop these transactions from happening. For example, Mirror Trading International, when, when they were sort of scouting around looking for customers, they would instruct them, you know, here's what you do. You go to Luno or you go to Alcon Trade or one of these other exchanges and you buy Bitcoin and then you, you ship it to these addresses. And they alerted them to the fact that they may try and stop you. 
but you tell them this is your money and this is what you want to do with it. So the fact that they, these exchanges have become very alert to this and are flagging these suspect addresses is a good thing. But I agree with you. I, I think we do need to put this in some kind of context, you know, where sort of 0.6% of all crypto transactions are illicit. I don't know if that's a big number or a small number, but um, I guess it's not a huge number. That, that's what I would say. All right, Paolo, you're based in Denmark. You sound very South African, but uh, you've been there for quite a while and you've done quite a bit of conferencing around the Nordic countries. I know that a lot of crypto companies are laying off staff at the moment. We just had a story in MoneyWeb this week about Luno laying off 35% of its global headcount because the trading volumes just simply cannot sustain the current headcount. Is enthusiasm waning in Europe for cryptos in the same way that we're seeing elsewhere in the world? You know, the layoffs have not uh, hit Europe. I don't want to say yet. I'm hoping they won't. The, the mass layoffs, tech layoffs haven't hit Europe. From the, you know, the, 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 the network, I'm in Copenhagen, which is a very central location. Everyone sort of tends to meet in Copenhagen. And let me tell you, the enthusiasm is just unbelievable here. I mean, there's absolutely no concern about, uh, you know, that this industry is going down. There's caution, but there's really a lot of excitement because a lot of the focus in uh, Copenhagen, Denmark, the Nordics is actually in the greater ecosystem, which is really where the future of crypto lies. You know, to be hyper-focused on, you know, the speculative crypto, it's it's like taking a Porsche and, and, and looking at one of the valves, you know, it's just sort of, and never taking the Porsche for a drive. So there's an incredible amount of innovation in Web3, in the metaverse, which all of this stuff ties in with blockchain and crypto and you know, the way to exchange things in the metaverse, the easiest way is, is using tokens and crypto. So there is a lot of enthusiasm. You know, there is the same sort of concerns as the rest of the world with regulations, but um, it's a very exciting space. And and every time you meet with people in this space, and I've attended several events here, and tomorrow I'm going to another one, and it's just absolute enthusiasm for the potential of what this industry holds, you know. And I uh, was too young to sort of, uh, to feel the, the, the wave of, you know, when the internet first began, I mean, I was, I was a little boy, but I can sort of get that. I've had people who were around at that time. I've had them mention, yeah, this feels like, you know, when the internet was in its infancy and there was a, a small core of, of people that were total geeks and absolutely, you know, talking in mathematics and numbers. And you really need someone to interpret what they say because they're so much into their computers and they're so clever. Uh, and, and, and that's kind of the feel you get. You have these geniuses in a room and there's so much potential and there's so much being built and there's so many different things being built. And, and even, you know, like, okay, so crypto crime, how do we handle crypto crime? You know, so, so they're building solutions for that. Let me give you an interesting example, by the way, Kieran, on, on the subject of crime in general. I did an interview with a company here a few months ago based in Estonia. And what they do is, you know, in Europe, it's very difficult to actually track financial crime, not talking crypto, but financial crime through the normal banking system because they've got all these privacy regulations. Okay, so actually banks, because there's so many strict privacy laws in banks, the one bank can't like send a WhatsApp message to another, another bank and say, hey, you know, uh, we think this transaction is illicit. Can you check it out? They're not allowed to do that. So it's like really, so what these criminals, organized criminals do is they, you know, they steal money, they put it in a bank account and they start, their money starts to flow. It goes from one bank to another bank, to another bank, to another bank. And that's how they launder it. That's how they get it out. So there's a company in, in Estonia that's actually developed the most incredible 
legal regulatory uh, tech system. It's like a, it's. A, I mean, I'm, I'm going to. It's not this, but I'm going to call it like a special, you know, financial chat system that navigates all of these regulations and and allows banks to send a message to each other to say, you know, hey. Is this transaction illicit? So this phenomenal technological breakthrough to reduce, you know, crime on the normal financial sector. And so those kinds of tools in the crypto sector, it's all innovation. And when you're around people like this and you see the potentials, you sort of, you know, you, you start to get a feeling for why they're worried. You know, to stop the innovation in this industry would be absolutely catastrophic. FTX should never happen and theft and, and, and these major incidents should never occur. But the regulators involved in the space should absolutely get together with the crypto with the you know professionals in the industry because the innovation is is phenomenal and you feel it in europe it's very exciting and i think that that excitement cannot be stopped i mean i i think it's sort of like we've talked about contagion in a negative sense and we, we can see you know the enthusiasm spreads for what crypto can do and, and and what potentials this industry really has and i feel that very much from 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 denmark and copenhagen it's interesting you mentioned Estonia. Estonia is a, a country of one million people, as far as I know, right on the border with Russia. Estonia is where Skype came from, transfer-wise. That's where also where uh, also comes from Estonia. They have the most. They they like to say, you know, they got they got a million people, but they like to say that they have the most unicorns per capita in the world, which is true. And a, a lot happening there in crypto as well. Uh, crypto, a lot happening in fintech. There, there, the Estonia. It's I, I know what you're saying because I was the same about four months ago. You, you know, Estonia, Lithuania, they have phenomenal internet connectivity. These these countries are incredibly advanced. They've got wonderful um, uh, uh, sort of tax regimes because the government is encouraging investment. Um, so very high tech, even though, yes, it's a company we don't know much about. It's tiny, but incredibly high tech and very connected to the Nordics because they're so close by and, um, but no, yeah, like I said, uh, Skype came out of Estonia, TransferWise came out of Estonia. I think they have 10 unicorns. Uh, yeah, it's not a lot, but per capita, it's the most in the world, you know. A unicorn being a company valued at $1 billion, right? Correct, yeah. Okay, let's start wrapping this up here. We're likely to have a pretty interesting year for cryptos. As you said, the, the emphasis shifting away from the speculative element of crypto to its functionality. I want to ask you about the the big themes that you see happening this year. I, certainly, I think regulation is one of them. The regulators, however, they seem to be all over the place. The head of the Irish Central Bank recently advocating a ban on crypto advertising. In South Africa, as I mentioned, the Advertising Regulatory Board introduced new rules this week requiring crypto advertisers to issue a health warning over crypto investments. Some countries seem to be leaning towards a ban. Others seem to be encouraging crypto companies to set up, you know, El Salvador being a, a good case of that. You know, you've got Hong Kong, which is very keen on cryptos. You've got Singapore, which is very down on cryptos. They're all over the place. But there is a thing here that's happening, and that's first mover advantage. For example, in the United States, I think they, they're very keen to get their regulations sorted out this year because they see that, first of all, because of its power in the global economy and the fact that it's first to market with regulations, that that would set the tone for the rest of the world. What's your reading on this? Yeah, definitely a lot of, uh, you know, people hung and sharks hungry for blood. And uh, I'm, I'm hesitating because it's, it's, yeah, it's that game of people who don't know versus people who do know. And, you know, my think on it is, look, you know, I mean, the internet has its Google and it has its Amazon and it has its Facebook. And 
you know, in the early days, like in the early 2000s, when social media started to get big and then Twitter came around and totally changed the face of, of what we all understood to be the internet. And suddenly, you know, we're all communicating and, you know, and these companies, they became very big, very fast. And suddenly, and that changed the, the, the playing field. And I think crypto probably needs that, not another exchange, not another central exchange. And maybe the, 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 the way forward is really the metaverse because it's, it integrates with crypto. It finds a use for it that is sort of exchanging value, but isn't speculative. And I think we need a crypto Google or a crypto Facebook. You know, we need one of these. There was, a, again, uh, the chairman of the board of, of, of Concordium, gave a wonderful talk at the Nordic blockchain conference held here recently, where he said, you know, the, the kids of today, the people programming in blockchain today are the same as the ones that were coding in the internet. And back then, nobody predicted Facebook. Nobody knew, you know, who of us guessed that something like Facebook was going to appear. And that's what crypto needs. It needs one of these mega, you know, companies that innovates and brings out something so phenomenal that grows and brings user value. This is unfortunately one of the major failing aspects of crypto and blockchains. You know, you, you got to open up a wallet and it's just so unuser friendly. And if we have something like that, suddenly, you know, mass adoption occurs and it, and it changes the playing field. One thing I'm very excited about is Ledger is bringing out or has brought out this new uh, hardware wallet, which uh, it was designed by the guy who designed the iPod. I mean, this thing is beautiful. I mean, it's really, you hold this thing. I haven't held it, but you look at the videos and it, it looks like an iPod, you know, and it's very user friendly and it's, you know, got e-ink display. And, and I look at this thing and I go, wow, you know, like people would actually want to use something like that. And maybe Maybe we need something like that. So we need something that, that increases massive adoption. And I think that'll tame, you know, the need of regulators to sort of like, you know, drop the hammer and bring a little bit of, of equilibrium to the, to, to the area. Oh, you're telling me that my ledger wallet is already out of date? Super out of date, man. Technology moves at lightning speed, Kira. We're going to leave it there, Paolo Delgado. Thanks a lot for that discussion. We um, always look forward to getting your take on what's happening in the world of crypto, particularly from the, the northern climes. You know, we're, we're stuck here in the, the southern part of the world, uh, and it's good to keep in touch with, with all of these different events and trends, like what's happening in Estonia and Denmark and Sweden and Norway. So thanks very much for joining us, and uh, we look forward to having you back on again. Thank you, Kieran. It was a pleasure. for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates. MoneyWeb, your trusted source for business and investment insights.